One of the things that we didn't talk about with um, low back pain is how society anymore, people in society were so linear. And when I mean linear, everything's in, in the forward plane, forward moving. So if it's cycling, it's running, it's hiking, it's swimming, you know, we're all moving forward. Where's the rotation? Where's the lateral movement? I mean, rugby, you know, football, you're having to, to cut and, right. and rotate and move. Basketball, and baseball, basketball, softball, yeah. tennis, all those things you're rotating. Yeah. 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 But how many people, your average individual, do they play baseball and football and stuff like that? No, we stopped playing. Here's a, I mean, here's a big thing. Yes. This is why we have back pain, right? At the end of the day is because at some point, uh, playing became exercise and we stopped and as a result, we stopped playing, mm -hmm. right? Like if, pe if people still went out to the playground and played on the jungle gym, on the merry-go-round, mm -hmm. on the, on the yep. monkey bars yep. and all that stuff, how much back pain would we have? Yeah. We probably have a lot less. We have a lot less people like that were suffering from a lot of other things too. We just stopped playing. And when you play, you move in all planes and ranges of motion. I get what you're saying. I think, I mean, I love cycling. I hate running, but I, but I'll do it. I mean, I, I love cycling, but, but I, you know, <laughs> that notwithstanding that, I mean, anything worth worth worthwhile anything that's really fun in life does not go in a straight line it just doesn't like whether you ski or snowboard or whatever yeah. like think about that like everybody's you wakeboard whatever the fun things that people pay a lot of money to do seasonally or whatever mm -hmm. it's not it's not going in a straight line it, it it really isn't like physically uh you're just you're just not doing that i think it's a really good point Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. The chronic lower back pain market was valued at $6.29 billion in 2018, and it's projected to reach as much as $9.27 billion by the year 2026. That market would include anything from treatments to medications. Chances are you have low back pain or have experienced low back pain, or at least somebody you know has. In this episode, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how that back pain generally manifests, a couple of different approaches to how we get that back pain. We're also going to talk about how to maybe address your back pain. If you're having that, if you've got back pain and you need some help, we want to help you. You can go to rdftrainonline.com to find out more about both our one-on-one -on -one coaching options, as well as our self-guided options. When you go to our website, you can reach out to us directly through the phone. We always have one of our awesome staff members here to answer that phone and help you with whatever we can. And we also have a way where you can reach out to us via email. You take your pick. All right, CC. So I just asked you like two minutes ago to Google uh, how to get rid of back pain. Uh, what came up? So I typed in how to fix lower back pain. And when I put that in, the first four things that came up are ads. And the third ad is from Advil. Oh, that's a big surprise. Right? Right. Um, Let's see. The first one is from advancedhealthcenter.com. The second is pelvicclock.com. And then the third one's Advil. So, so how do we get rid of back pain? What's Google say about that? Well, which one do you want to click on? Well, let's, let's, go, let's, <laughs> let's click the, I'm curious about the Advil one. What is Advil telling us? And who, who makes Advil by the way? You know, before we get that Johnson Johnson, before we get that far, I just scrolled down a little bit further. So after the fourth ad, it says 10 ways to manage low back pain at home. Okay. And number one, we've said before, keep moving. Right, right, right. Get well, moving. All right, it's off to a good start. So. What's number two? Like now that you're on it, like. stretch and strengthen. All right. Three, keep good posture. All right, I'm on, I'm on board with all this yep. stuff. Four, what are these guys maintain a healthy weight. Five, quit smoking. Six, try ice and heat. Seven, know your OTC medication. So over the counter. Mm -hmm. Eight. Rub on medicated creams. Mm. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. Let's see. Um, I had to click on the last two to see what they come up, comes up. Um, nine, ask about supplements. So they're talking about vitamins and minerals from foods. Yeah. And then number 10 is throw in the towel. 
So, oh, interesting. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a play. It's a play. A rolled up towel can be a handy tool for for back pain. Okay, got you. All so. right. So what I heard there was about fifty percent of that was like a band aid, right? So to to kind of manage symptoms, mm-hmm. and fifty percent of that was. Hey, here's what you might try to get rid of your back pain. However, that's very general, like, uh, stretch, maintain a healthy weight, Yeah, stretch and strengthen. Like, okay. Uh, That sounds pretty, pretty obvious, but obviously that if it was that easy, if, if people only did 50% of that, then nobody would have back pain probably. But the reality of it is, is they, they don't. What's crazy to me is how much money people spend and how much the medical, like the insurance uh, business ends up paying out for back pain. I am. I I had this study a few years back because it was like it was it was a hot topic, but I, I just kind of went back and I looked at it. And this was a, this was basically a study that was done a few years back. And again, there's a lot of studies out there. Who's writing them? That's that's not the point. The point is is um, the amount of money that people spend on an annual basis and how it, like it's a hockey stick right now in the medical insurance. Uh, feel like how much we spend on medical insurance, but also in, in payouts, but also just on back pain alone. Uh, from 1996 to 2016, uh, Americans spent $134 billion on lower back pain treatment, Wow, which is more than combined treatments for diabetes and heart disease, which are two of the metabolic conditions that create the most amount of death in our, in, in the United States of America. Uh, crazy, man. Astounding. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, it's going up at this, this exponential rate. And I don't think there's probably too many people on the planet anymore that are, you know, over 20 years old, let's just say that haven't experienced some level of back pain. I mean, if you guys have, we've talked about my issues on this, on this show before, if you jump on the Instagram, I actually posted it not too long ago a picture of, or an x-ray of my back just from a, about a year ago, I think it was November of last year. And, and I've said this before, you don't have to be an orthopedic surgeon when you look at that to know that that's all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> when you look at it, it's bad. Uh, it's real bad. And um, so there's like, how did it get that way? Well, you should know better, man. How did it get that? Eh, there's, there's cumulative stuff. And then there's acute stuff, cumulative being things that happen over time that affect the chain, affect how you function, affect how you you know, how you move, uh, the things that you avoid, which could create the stuff that I have. And then there's acute injuries. Now I, I don't think that there was an acute injury to my back at any point that I can put my finger on, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't right. There could have been this, I think was cumulative from a very acute ankle, uh, injury that I had going back to when I was 20 years old and things traveled up the chain. I overcompensated over time. And ultimately I did a movement and it, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some people might say like, Oh no, you had an acute injury. You did this. But what you're saying is is this chronic, you know, compensation for long years Mm -hmm. is what caused this. That's exactly what happened. So as it traveled up through my, through from my ankle up to my knee, up to my hip and then into my back. uh, Now I have some serious issues there and they're not unmanageable. Like they're unmanageable. I don't take any, any pain medication. I, I have at times where there's been such a, a, such a huge amount of inflammation that I was in excruciating pain, like can't even crawl kind of pain, uh, really, really bad. And, and the last inflammation and muscle spasming and muscle spasming. Yeah. Which, you know, again, it's just tightening down around the nerve plexus and things that are going on down. The last time it really fired up on me was on the jujitsu mat and it wasn't anything crazy. You know, we were just there. We were practicing some positional uh, jujitsu. Uh, I was on uh, so many, I think, I think I was in half guard. Uh, I just kind of shrimped out to the side and it was just the right time, right place. Probably it's probably a bit of fatigue mm-hmm. in that area over the previous practices. I had ramped up my volume of training and my frequency of training. I was going to three days a week, mm-hmm. but more, more than that, I was moving to the 6am session. Uh, That's the biggest fucking mistake. Yeah, I ever made. You're really tight in the morning. Yeah. I need, yeah. you know, my body needs a few hours and by the way, a few meals before I should be doing any kind of work like that. So I think that was the major culprit is not having enough time to really loosen up, activate. It was kind of get up, get some breakfast or get some, a little bit of food fluid in me. Um, jiu-jitsu's uh, gym is just literally across the street. So I don't have, I didn't have very far to go. And then you kind of get right into your warm up, And for, you know, in most places you're, you're from warm up from walking the door to 
your, you know, your learning or your positional jujitsu for the day is probably within the first 20 minutes. Oh yeah. Uh, dude, I need if 20, quicker, yeah. I need 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> just to get my shit together. So that's probably it. But again, not an acute injury specifically to my back. Like it didn't fall in specific. I wasn't in a car accident yeah. specifically hurt my back, but those things do exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder what the stats are for people that have acute back injury um, and report low back pain and get treatment for that versus those that have um, a, you know, cumulative uh, over time and kind of where we're getting, I think what we're going to get into today is why do you have the pain that you have is the first really important thing to understand. Um, So I don't know, Eli, if you can figure that out for us over there, but uh, maybe we'll look that up. Yeah, I'll look that up. And also who makes Advil you had asked earlier is Pfizer. I oh, big know. fucking surprise. <laughs> all that all that money they're making, they can they can pay to be right up there in top two, top two switches about, on dude? They just beat Big Pharma, dude. Yeah. Oh, that's what I, that's right. We heard that the yeah, other day. Dude, we they, beat they beat him. They beat him. They beat him. I, I don't know what the score actually, was, but they beat him. I actually feel like he used the word we. Yeah, like like all of us did. Yeah, right? like, like, like I was at the front lines. I was helping, dude. Like I knocked down the door. Like we're all in this together. Like, Fuck you, Pfizer. Yeah. Like, no, it didn't happen, dude. Yeah. They just Yeah. Yeah. And this is from georgetown.edu. Uh, 65 million Americans report recent episode of back pain. 16 million adults experience persistent or chronic back pain. That's 8%. 8% of the population. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, this is Americans. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I mean, I said, wow, I guess I'm, I ex- actually expect to be a little bit more. I yeah. Too. And I, yeah. I think it's also because some people don't report it. Could be like, like there are some men out there are still some people out there that suck it up and Mm -hmm. actually go to work and like not trying to like, you know, well, because they can't miss work or whatever else, or they know they don't have access to, they don't want to work the system. Maybe too. They don't, or they don't have access to the system in the same way that Mm -hmm. somebody else might. Well, remember we went to uh, one of the NSCA uh, conferences and we sat in on a low back pain, I think um, discussion. And they were saying that the majority, I don't, I can't remember the numbers, but it's like, maybe it's eight or nine out of 10 people experience low back pain, but, um, or maybe looking at, at graphs like, um, MRIs and, um, x-rays, like eight or nine out of 10 people, when you look at those have something that's going on in their films, but as far as the sim them reporting symptoms is very low. There's no presentation. Right. Yeah. So exactly. So while the film is showing them something, Mm -hmm. they're not reporting. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. The compare and contrast to that was how many people were told they had low back pain or they had a problem mm -hmm. with their low back. And then all of a sudden had had back pain. Yeah. Yeah. They had no idea. They didn't come in for any of this. Yeah. That was an interesting yeah, because it was a uh, it was like a meta analysis over time that I they think were showing. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the psychosomatic piece is very right. Very big, right? Yeah. We talked about that before. So, yeah, like you have if you've been told you have a back problem, then you're going to feel like you have a back problem. There's there that's very real. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just get into kind of some of the things that are, are very typical. I mean, combined years of experience here, kind of in and around back pain, is going to be well over fifty years, right? And with between the three of us and just in our coaching history oh, yeah. and whatever, so closer to 60 probably mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. And we've all suffered our own things. So again, just cause you've had low back pain doesn't make you an expert on low back pain. But I, I, you know, I feel pretty confident in going into this with all the people that I've worked with over these, over these years, kind of seeing some similar stuff uh, when people walk through the door. Uh, and I don't know if we can categorize it, but maybe we can try and do that as we go through here. But I think the, the thing that creates back the, the, this discomfort for people is that I see the most is just straight up weakness, mm-hmm. which has created some kind of postural deviation or uh, mechanics issue that puts them in a position that's inefficient, ineffective. And then over time, um, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And for a lot of people and in the human body, let's be honest, particularly as we, we work from the middle out that lumbar spine, you don't have a lot of room to mess around. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where most people feel that back pain. Um, so maybe we could kind of uncover some of those things and what some of the typical things are um, that create that, that low back pain. Um, and, and that's at least that's how it manifests ultimately in the low back pain, but where does it kind of start? I mean, we talk about weakness, but I don't know, Jeff, what are some of the things that you see? Uh, some of the things that I see, and you know, as we talk about traveling up and down the chain, I'm just going to focus on the pelvis. Um, what I'm seeing a lot of people with back pain in general, it's starting from their pelvis and whether their hips are in in flare out flare. 
So they're um, rotated. Yeah. So when, when left to right. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're looking at the bony landmark in front, one's rotating in, the other one's rotating out, mm-hmm. right? And vice versa. This happens when you walk. Uh, when we sit, right? And you want to favor one side or you sit long enough, you can get stuck into in-flare and out-flare on one side and you're kind of stuck in a rotated position. It's going to travel up your sacrum and into your spine, up into your shoulders and your neck. Body has to compensate for that. And however that compensates up the chain, we don't know. There are certain kind of rules of like one hip drop, that shoulder is going to be higher, but it doesn't. Everybody's an individual. It always isn't going to play out like that. But exactly. Depends. (laughs) But the biggest thing is is we need to bring back functionality and structural integrity to the pelvis. So then the spine can relax and not be in torsion because until that sacrum is taken out of torsion, the spine will never not be in rotation or side bending or whatever's going on with the psoas or any of those muscles in that hip muscle. Yeah, yeah. So what creates, so let's talk about what are some of the things that people are doing unknowingly or doing knowingly for that matter that creates this inflore outflow flare or the torsion. Now, Keep in mind, if you've had an acute like torsion, right, mm-hmm. where that you maybe even sublux that that uh, that sacrum to some extent and, you know, right away, because that one's a game changer. Mm-hmm. I want to put you yeah. on your knees. That's the you can't put on your underwear in the morning injury. And, and a lot of people have had that one. Right. Where you just you can't bend over. Right. It's like mm-hmm. you get like halfway over. You lift you go into hip flexion to lift that knee up. Right. And you're literally trying to put your pants on your your your, your chones on. You can't do it. It just boom, you're down, right? What are some of the things that people are doing unknowingly or knowingly to, that creates that inflow or outflow or that rotation of the pelvis on a daily basis or even in their workouts? Well, one of the things that we've seen is the amount of sitting that people do. Um, and so many of them will say, yeah, I get to work and I'm sitting there or even before they get to work, it's the hour and a half in the car that it takes them to commute to get to work. And then the sitting at work, um, they might not be commuting like they were, but even with those who are staying home, they're at home. So they're sitting in front of their computer and the time just passes them and they're not getting up. They're not going to the bathroom. They're not, you know, getting something to eat. They're not going to visit with somebody in another cubicle or having to go to an, a meeting because they're right there on their uh, computer. Yeah. So that goes back to the the Google search or whatever, when and it says move more. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and this would be, I think, common sense, people would understand that sitting probably in a chair all day is not good for them, yet they still do it every day out of necessity for work or whatever. But there's things that people, you know, could be doing. And, you know, those that have taken a little bit more proactivity to their back, spine, strength, health, all of those kind of things, they'll, you know, you can stand at your desk, you get a, a desk that's mm-hmm. a sitting and standing desk or making sure that you've, you've talked with the, uh, with the ergonomics department in your office or, you know, for the company you work with and they can set you up with some stuff. But the reality of it is, is most people aren't doing that. Yeah. They're, they're mm-hmm. doing what, what feels comfortable, right? Which is, this is my space I'm here. And then I, they get into the zone and it's just what we do. I mean, it's just, when I say you we can't get in the zone and focus on your posture at the same time, yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. You have to be very aware. Yeah, let's right? be, let's be honest about that. So we've seen some really fucked up stuff come out. Some of these gadgets that people put on their, their, oh, what was that thing? It's like a pause. Well, we saw set. one the other day. My girl had oh, one, that has one at the house and we did the whole thing. A pod. So, you, you know, who, you, you know, who calibrates. Wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. stop. So, so, wait, so hold on time out. So they have, a, you have a pod at the house that so, sits on your upper thoracic so spine. So you set it there. Uh-huh. And then you have to calibrate it every time. So you got to know where your neutral is. Oh, so you're telling the machine what's what's the correct position for you. And then when I head tilt, it'll give me like a 5% deviation. And once I go past, and I can change the deviation. Uh Once I go past, it'll give me like a little buzz. And then you you get back up into this posture. But if you can't calibrate it. Yeah, that's just If you can't stand up tall, there's there's, there's no benefit from it. Wow. Wow, that's. That's a little piece of trivia I was not aware of. Yeah. Piece of garbage, by the way. Don't buy that. Yeah. So the other one we saw the other day was. um, That backstrap thing. What was that thing? (laughs) It's to pull your chest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's basically like a postural support. It was Mm -hmm. like a. um, What's like the, an X, right? Yeah, it basically it's the opposite is, of the arm blaster. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you got to put it on backwards; it'll pull you open this way. Yeah, it's opening you up, it's getting you into thoracic extension, yeah. but it's passively. not addressing anything passively. But it's not giving you; it's not addressing anything that's happening above and below that chain. So you're not actually strengthening anything. Basically, what you do is you put crutches on your shoulders. Yeah, you're right? locking it there. 
with a cast. And, and, and to your point, if you don't understand where the proper position is for you, like, is that helping or hurting you? Exactly. Say, yeah. Cause that's a very generic. But, uh, while the answer is it device. depends, I would argue most of the time it's probably the latter. It's probably hurting you. So obviously sitting not good. Um, that's certainly going to put those that pelvis, depending on your chair, depending on how you sit, how you have your workstation set up, uh, your video games, your couch, mm-hmm. your dinner table, your your the seat in your car. All of those things are going to impact how your how your 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 pelvis is sitting, and then obviously what's sitting on top of it. And so, what's immediately sitting on top of your pelvis is going to be your lumbar spine, mm-hmm. right? And that has a very very specific. Um, well, let's just say from a mechanical perspective, does a very, very specific job, right? One, those are the largest bones in your intervertebral column, right? Uh, that's for a reason. It needs to be the most stable there. Also, uh, while there's a lot of padding in comparison to the other discs. So we'll talk, we'll talk about the, or the other vertebrae, we'll talk about the intervertebral discs. Those, those discs are rel- relatively thicker there as compared to as you move up the spine. Um, maybe Cece, talk a little bit about the movement that actually happens at the lumbar spine and how this, how the pain that people are feeling, where that's coming from, um, based on what the lumbar spine is designed to do and what we may be making it do or taking it away from doing. So our spine in general, um, you know, we start at the cervical spine, we go down to the thoracic and then we go into the lumbar. And when you're starting at the, if we're looking at the lumbar spine, it's kind of like a, a concave curve, right? And then your thoracic is more convex and then your cervical spine is a little bit more concave. And so it's like an S S, yes. And so that lumbar spine is there to help support our, our trunk. And so while it has some flexion extension, um, and lateral side bend, you know, bending to the right, bending to the left. Um, when we think about rotation though, really our rotation is coming more from our thoracic spine. So above there. Yeah. Right. So like eight degrees rotation in your lumbar spine. Yeah. And that's even, that's at the top, right? That's Yep. Yeah, that's, that's like one and two, exactly. like L1 and two versus down, yeah. down mm-hmm. at the bottom. L4, L5. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's it's there to give us um, supporting structure for for our upper body, our trunk, and then um, to connect our, our lower extremities to to our the rest of our body. So if we're sitting all the time, right? Or yeah, let's just stick with the sitting piece. We're sitting a lot. What happens to the to the integrity of the tissue that needs to be moving right Mm -hmm. to left, the side bending back and forth or the forward flexion or rear, let's just call it backward extension. And there's not a ton of extension at the lumbar spine to be clear. It's more forward flexion, right? Uh, Right. Yes. Th- yes. Yeah. So degree yes, for already, degree. Because well, you're talking about extension yeah. and then you're going into hyper extension. Hyper extension, yeah. mm-hmm. which I've, if anybody's done that to their lower back, like in to a degree that it, they're not prepared for, that hurts. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's no good. Um, you can go into a, probably a pretty large level of flexion uh, without hurting yourself. But that extension, I think is a little bit, a, a little bit touchier, right. In terms of extension. But the point of that is, is if you're not moving that tissue, right. And you don't have a ton of movement there anyways, Right. What's happening to that tissue, like from a physiological or even an anatomical perspective, what's happening through there, Jeff? Like if you're not, if you're not minding that. Um, so if you're not minding that area, you don't move it a lot um, independently of your other body or you're aware of it. Um, it does what's called to cleave. My brain kind of like, oh, he doesn't want to use it. So I'm going to lose it. I know people have heard that uh, scenario, use it or lose it. Uh, but what happens is the tissue locks up. It becomes fibrotic to give stability. Right. Um, so a lot, I see a lot of people trying to strengthen the glute med. They have a band around them. They're doing 10 the, reps. The, yeah. The band around the knees, the knees or they're, they're sidestepping like grab yeah. walking or whatever. Yeah. Great exercise. But you need to look at the functionality of the muscle in play here. It's a stabilizing muscle that locks my hip into place mm-hmm. when I'm going into a squat and doing other things. It needs to be trained at a high repetition, right. mm-hmm. not needing to increase in strength. Yeah. Right. It needs to get stronger, but it's more of endurance. How long can this thing stabilize while I go through a squat? Particularly if I'm sitting all day long, right? Like it's going to be really deconditioned. What happens when we sit, we start to have like that pregnant kind of like the hips open up in the front. So Mm -hmm. glute needs aren't. They're just switched off. Yep. Completely. That's why that area is so fibrotic, the IT band and everything. So what's happening essentially is you are recasting your body to be more energy efficient in a seated position. And then I go to stand up while well, the tissue doesn't want to expand. We get an anterior pelvic tilt, which is the pelvis tilting forward, 
right? Like mm-hmm. if you think of a bucket, it's tilting forward, right. water's going to come out of the front yep. and then the back tissue becomes tight and compressed, mm-hmm. right? So we start dealing, that's where a lot of the back pain is coming in. Uh, the, the, the core, the low uh, rectus abdominis is weak. Mm-hmm. So having to bring functionality back to that, the glutes aren't firing. Yep. And piriformis too, right? Oh yeah. The piriformis, piriformis syndrome. Yeah. From that. yeah. So that's like when people get down on the floor, they lay on their back, the way they can feel these muscles that are getting tonic, right. And, or really weak. And they're, they, so they, they start to feel tight. They, tight. they start to feel tight. You lay on your back. It's that one where you, uh, you, you cross the ankle over the knee mm-hmm. on the opposite side and you pull that knee towards you. Right. And you can feel like deep in your in your glute area, like in your deep hip area, you can feel all the stuff getting really tight or you do like the old, um, Hollywoods. Remember the Hollywood stretch where you, you sit up on the floor, your legs are out in front of you and then you cross one over the other, right? So you cross one knee over the other and the, and the, uh, um, the, the one You're knee doing is like on internal rotation. Correct. Yes, I know and so now I twist my body the mm-hmm. opposite direction yep. of that leg that's straight in front of me. Uh, and I when I pull that, that knee, that's, uh-huh facing up towards the ceiling across my body. You can really feel that deep uh, tightness right in the hip. Those are the muscles you're talking about. Um, And those are muscles that are become weak. So in effect, they become tight. And the reason they become weak and tight is because we're not using them. Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not using them. So I think what you were just saying there about that, that term cleaving, right. Which Mm -hmm. is basically your brain shutting signals off that it just doesn't have to send or receive. Why am I going to keep working here? And then the consequence of that over time is obviously this tissue starts to become really tight and basically immobile, right? It doesn't want to work. Yeah. And then we're feeling fat one day and we decide we're going to like, it's the end of the winter and, oh, I'm really doing it this time. I've joined the gym or I'm starting that running program or whatever. And what's the first thing I do? I go grab a pair of brand new pair of running shoes and I go try to run two, three miles, right? On that tissue that supports my pelvis, that then supports my back what happens to that tissue above and around there? Well, one, you got that weak tissue that's not going to work very well. So now you have all this movement that should be happening, other movement that isn't happening. Mm-hmm. And then all those muscles around your pelvis and your low back, they start to go, though, well, this isn't fucking good. Yeah. What the fuck's happening? What the fuck is happening right now? Right. Like you're just like you're you're shaking the cage in there with all the important structure that's being protected and then supported. If we think about our spinal column and then all the nerves and then all our, our, uh, our organs and things in there. So what does that do? That stuff starts to get really tight. Now you get done with your run. You don't realize this at the time. And you're, you're adding insult to the whole situation because you're running, you're pounding instead of maybe going out for a walk yeah. or a brisk walk to you're condition. Pounding. Yeah. To mm-hmm. condition, to, to build up to this. So, so, so common. I mean, we see it happening in the gym all the time. Well, that again, you're not thinking this at the time and you're not feeling it, right? You're not feeling like any pain yet. Mm-hmm. What's happening is this is building up over time. And ultimately you probably start to ignore the signals that start getting sent. Oh, I'm just tight. I need to stretch more. No, you're tight because you're weak and you need to strengthen more. So we have this, we basically were, and then over time, going back to that, that tissue being super tight and immobile, if you put your body, your pelvis and your spine in a, in a situation where now it has to be stable, you fall, right? Or you go skiing, all right? Or snowboarding, or you go mountain biking or whatever. And you're, you're asking it to actively stabilize in a very dynamic environment. And you have very tight, also weak t- tissue and you start to jar it, or you start to move it in, in ways that it isn't ready to be moved or be supported. Then we start having deeper issues. Um, because it can't, can't support. Now you have all that sensitive tissue in there, the nerves, right? The discs, uh, the discs that are around the spinal column, all those things. Now they have, now they get, they get moved. Right. And, or you come in to the, to the gym and you do a workout, you join a group workout or whatever. And they ask you to do some ballistic movement with hip hinging or extension or whatever else. And you don't have that strength to support the vertebrae or in the pelvis or whatever. And then you can have more of an acute injury to that area. Um, like a disc being discs don't slip. Right. So, mm-hmm. but you, you, but you can have uh addition, you can have too much movement around above or below those discs, which will can now put pressure on those discs and you feel back pain. So we're right back to the back pain thing. Mm-hmm. And then what's the first thing people do when they have back pain? They stop moving. They stop moving. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of times you'll be debilitated, which is kind of like the worst mm-hmm. thing you could do. We already just 
describe how most people get into this situation, right? It's because they're weak. And so now they stop moving, which doesn't make the, the, the situation better. It might help with pain for a little while, but it's not, we're not fixing the situation. Yeah, it's pain, pain management. It's pain management. Yeah. yeah. So that, I think that kind of paints a really good picture of kind of how a lot of people get into these situations. There's obviously the acute injuries, right? Where um, people get into an accident, right? Um, but you could argue like if you were stronger, right, and more mobile, would that accident had have caught in some cases, not in every, so I'm mm-hmm. not making a blanket statement no. here, no. but would that accident have caused the amount of trauma that, that actually happened there? Um, had you been in a different physical shape, uh, shape or condition? Exactly. I would have said yes, because I've been in car accidents where I was not doing so well and had a lot of back pain. I just got into a pretty gnarly one. I did not have whiplash. I did not have any back pain. The only thing that broke was my hand on the steering wheel <laughs> right. where the airbag came out at 200 miles per hour <laughs> yeah. into a small bone. But right. I had no whiplash and nothing, no back pain. Right. And that could be from newer cars and better technology and all of that. But, um, but everybody's driving those now. If you're stronger, right. you are going to have your body's going to need to compensate less through that extra force that's whiplashing through your body. And, and exactly. when it does that, it'll also be more resilient to recovering from well, it. Well, let's just say like, was it two weekends ago, three weekends ago, I got hit by a car oh, on a bicycle. Yeah, she got hit by a fucking car. Yeah. Did we tell you that story? Is he still alive? Oh, well, oh. so this is a great story. <laughs> so, so here, here's how this works. It was really weird. We were a three-way intersection, right? There was a bridge that led onto this street, which kind of came out of Y. So I think it looked, it's, this is a basically a Y yeah. intersection, kind of in an unincorporated area, no stop signs. So people have to be paying attention. On the other side where this bridge opened up, or like if you're driving across the bridge and we're going to make the left or the right, if you're making the left, right across from there was a parking lot, which is where this guy was trying to get to in his car. So we come up, this is like a turnaround point. So I'm coming down the right side of the Y. If we're, if you're sitting in the driver's seat of the car, Mm -hmm. I'm coming from the right side. She's maybe five yards behind me, right? On on the bike. We're just making, or probably like, I don't know, 20 miles out on this ride. It was the turnaround spot. So we're just, we just grabbed a drink of water. We're just unwinding the legs a little bit. We're about to make our way back. So she, I come up to the intersection. I make eye contact with the guy who looks right at me. Right. And, and so I, I slowed, slowly came and turned left, right in front of him. I beat him to the intersection. She's literally right behind me. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> so, and I, and I see him and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to make that left to follow Scott. Mm-hmm. So I veered to the right, staying to the right. And I just knew I was like, Oh my gosh, he's going to hit me. He's going to hit me. And sure enough, like the right front of his car hit my rear tire of my bicycle and I went down. <laughs> so I didn't see any of this, but so I, I get, I, she was behind me. Remember I had my headphones in whatever. Yeah. I, this is just how I ride. I, so it was, up. I think I was listening to a podcast. Um, and, and I, I get up to the next to the stop sign, which is maybe 50 yards away. And I look back over my shoulder. I recognize she's not there. I'm like, Oh my God, that guy hit her. Like I already knew. Yeah. Right. And so I, I spin it back around. I'm heading back and I click off the headphones. <laughs> like a fucking honey badger. Just this dude was taking cover behind his car. When I got, when I got to the intersection, the bike was laying in the street. She was there like fists to the sides, arms straight, chin out reach, like just fucking giving this guy the business. I was like, I don't even say anything. Like this guy. Yeah. So ask him about whether or not he was, he was still alive or not. He was hiding. Like, so I rolled up. Yeah. And then he tells me that I'm overreacting. Oh, oh yeah, it's the man. worst thing you, you never tell ever. a woman that, even never. when even when they are <laughs> never, yeah, especially after they hit you with their yeah. car. No, that's never a, tell, that's a pass. Yeah, you never say that. She was oh my gosh, yeah. she, he, the guy's lucky he's still alive. But a little, but but going back to you know the resiliency <laughs> as far as um, strength training and taking care of my body going into that whole situation because the bike went down, my feet stayed clipped into the pedals, so the bike went down and I was rotated. Uh, and laying on the ground and um scott's like you know we should go to the er i'm like i don't want to go to the er he's like yeah but your adrenaline's pumping we need to go to the er i'm like oh okay and then it was probably an hour and a half before we got to the hospital and then all of a sudden i started having some um like thoracic chest pain because my intercostals started spasming and everything but you know what like nothing broke and i mean um you know, I had some abrasions. Obviously I was shook up and I was pissed off and everything, but my back was fine. Yeah. She's back to working out two days yeah. later. Awesome. Yeah. So 
fell down, like rolled up on the hood of the car. No broken pelvis, no broken, yeah. no broken vertebrae, no broken arms, no broken collarbones. And to CC's point, I've also watched, you know, just in terms of being in shape and having an accident, I watched her go face plant a couple times. Um, the one time when my nipple almost came off. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was like really bad yeah. beef jerky, like yeah. all across her chest. We were dislocated we were, my shoulder. She dislocated the shoulder. No, bro. She put it right back in right there on the spot, by the way. She's like, yeah, Oh, my shoulder's out. Let me put it back in. It was like solid. Oh, all right. Solid. Yeah. <laughs> so, but back up sore, sore, but, but not broken and not perm and not disabled. Um, Call it a little bit of luck, but I do believe like your people that take care of their bodies probably have a lot less back pain uh, due to these types of acute things than they do over time. Because I, I am also in the camp where I believe like as an example, I believe your spine has a finite number of flexions and extensions. And I think you can you can um, uh, basically delay the amount of trauma that you get over time. But it still has that. So whether you your ship blows up when you're 50 or ship blows up when you're 80, um, it was still the same amount of flexions. It was just how good, you know, how 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 could you how good a shape were you in along the way in terms of toning down the, the degree of which those flexions uh, hurt, hurt or helped you? Uh, I guess the point is, is I you know, this acute trauma, I believe people that have that are in the bet and better condition. Obviously, the level of trauma makes a huge difference sure. here, but I think they're. I, my experience has been, and to your point and, you know, my own, my own experiences where we're less damaged by that. And we're definitely not the types of like, I'm not going to go in and take a bunch of pills. Like the guy comes in, we did go to the ER and the guy goes, okay, so you going to tram it all. Um, I got this other stuff over here. She's like, can I just get some Motrin? I'm like, dude, take the tramadol. We want that. <laughs> yeah, like like just in case, yeah, right? Like you, you want that. She's like, I don't need that. Like I, yeah. you're not even thinking that like, cause you're also dealing with pain differently, mm. which I think is, is another big piece of this uh, it, going back to Pfizer and the pharmaceuticals and everything else is when people feel a little bit of discomfort, they go straight to, well, let me kill this. I, I need mm -hmm. to, I need to, to kill this pain. And then they get used to that. And they're not doing work to get better, to get stronger, to mobilize tissue, to improve integrity. They're just taking a pill to, to mask it, which creates a whole other set of problems. And we've talked a little bit about it on this show and even, even in other episodes, it's, it's not good. So <sighs> acute injuries, uh, the cumulative injuries, how do we get better? Like how, how do we, how do we start to feel better again? If we've had a back injury, we talked, Cece and I talked a little bit on the last episode about you know, if, you've, if you're coming back for an injury, one of the most important things you do is understand or assess what your actual, your injury is. Is this uh, orthopedic from like a skeletal perspective, soft tissue perspective? Do you, you know, are you having spasms or, or is this work? Do you have bone bruise? Do you have breaks, fractures? Uh, do you have uh, alignment issues, um, which, which can happen in these, in these acute traumas? Uh, everybody's heard of the chiropractor and, you know, these, the, the, things that they can help with, with regard to realigning structure and tissue temporarily uh, while you, you go and do the work. But maybe we could talk a little bit about kind of the road to recovery. If you're having um, basically undiagnosed back pain, right? Because uh, the diagnosed stuff gets a lot more specific. But if you're just like, I have back pain, like I, I'm, I'm generally uncomfortable there. What are some basic things that people can do to maybe help alleviate that or identify where they might need to go next in terms of receiving some, some care. Um, so my, my take on this is, is most people come in is like, yeah, my low back, I need to be really careful about my low back because sometimes it goes out. Mm -hmm. What, what, are, what's going on there? It, it depends on the individual as far as like what's going out. So, you know, I, I think it's understanding what movements um, create the pain or what, um, activities have set that individual off. Is it bending down um, underneath a cupboard to grab something? Is it standing and doing dishes? What's the posture like? What's the surface that they're standing on? Do they have shoes? Do they not have shoes on? Um, the other thing is, you know, what's the sleeping situation like? Is your bed old enough to take to a bar? I mean, somebody said that to me once when I said I need to go get a new bar and they're like, oh, well, Jesus, how old is that bed? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they're like, is it old enough to take to the bar? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, having a supportive mattress, um, are you a side sleeper? Are you a back sleeper? Are you a stomach sleeper? Do you sleep with a pillow in between your legs? So there are a variety of things that you can try as well. And then 
Um, if you're, if you have young kids or if you get down on the ground or your occupation requires you to get down, how do you get up off the ground? Um, if you are, your occupation is, you know, getting in and out of a truck all day long, what types of measures are you taking to get in and out of the truck? Are you having three points of contact? Are you rotating your body, you know, your trunk and then your legs? So, um, it's paying attention to how your body moves and how you move your body. And then also being aware of what it is that sets you off so that then you can communicate to whoever is um, trying to help you, whether it's your fitness coach or whether you're going to see a doctor or a chiropractor or some other allied healthcare professional. Um, so you can give them more information than just, I have low back pain. I think it's actually, you, you, I mean, you just said that was a lot, right? There's a lot of things in there from how you sleep, where you sleep, what does your daily, your daily activities look like? And I think this is something we need to point out again, going back to the, the latest episode because, or the last episode that we talked about coming back from injury, because if you're having back pain and you go and you ask your general practitioner and he doesn't ask you, or she doesn't ask you the same questions that you just asked, then you need to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. You need to get the fuck mm -hmm. out of there and you need to go find somebody that's going to ask those questions so that they can help understand how to help you correctly. Because in what I mean correctly, I mean, what is specific for you? Like, mm -hmm. what is the next step here? Because simply asking questions isn't a diag isn't going to put you in a yeah. position to give a diagnosis. The next step is, is like, where do we go to next to understand what this injury or what, what is causing this problem? Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, Okay. So we need to have you get hands on. You need to get some hands on from this person over here, this practitioner or other, other allied health professional. And unfortunately that's not what we're happening. And that's why Pfizer is making so much goddamn money because, Oh, you're having back pain. Cool. Just take this. Like, well, what happened? Did you fall? No, I didn't fall. Uh, well, you know, have you had issues in the past? Nope. All right. Well, here's a prescription. Take this and, you know, call and don't me. move. Don't, work don't out. move. Don't work out. Don't squat Stop anymore. Don't squat anymore. Certainly don't do any deadlifts or any hinging movements. They don't actually say hinging. Um, you can still get in and out of your car. You can still sit down on the shitter every day. You can still overeat at the, at the dinner table like you're clearly doing, uh, getting up and down and squats from there. But stop moving. Don't exercise anymore. Here's a prescription. Um, obviously, not a good recipe for, for success. But you, again, you said a whole lot of things there and, and sort of those evaluations. I would say for a lot of people... Um, just going to the weakness piece. We've talked about this on a previous podcast. What they're wearing on their feet has a lot to do with why they have the back pain that they have. Uh, they have not done a good job of taking care of their feet and are taking care of their structure. The other one of the, the, those is how they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, we talked about the sitting piece. I would I would go right next to sitting would be the next thing. How are you sitting? What are your day? What are you doing day to day? But the next thing I would say is about the the bed can make a huge difference, particularly with all the different things that are out there now. Is it foam? Is it merry foam? Is it firm? Is it semi-firm? Is it kind of firm? Is it soft? Does it have springs? Does it have a pillow top? It's it's all these kind of things. Yeah, what, yeah. what type of pillow do you have? Let's just say you well. guys need a firm bed with a pillow top. The yeah. firmest bed you can get <laughs> with a pillow top. Yeah, so I think the, the bottom line is that if we backed it up to kind of what that spine, uh -huh. what, what the, the spine and pelvis does through the through the day, or in, in what, it, what its job is, when you lay on a super soft mattress, then you're allowing it to move into all these different positions. If you've got that mobility, right. And you're, you know, and maybe that's okay for you. You know, I don't know, but if you don't have that mobility and then you're, you're just kind of letting it sag into a position into tissue that's over tight and, and, uh, and tonic to say the least, uh, that could be creating a lot of problems for you for eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm saying, dude, if you don't have a firm fucking mattress and there is any breakdown in that mattress and you don't know over time and it's rotating your pelvis one way, you're going to create functional scoliosis and not know it until, oh, all of a sudden I have scoliosis. Where is this coming from? We don't know. Yeah. I had this problem five years ago. I broke my bed frame doing some cool extra. Oh, really? Extracurricular. <laughs> you want to get into the detail there? No, it was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was jumping on my bed like a fine. Oh, right. Right. Uh -huh. Yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Good times. It was a good time. though. 
Uh, I guess I broke the wooden frame on the bed and it was at an angle for like two years. And I didn't know until this one girl was like, Hey dude, I keep rolling into you during the night because your, your Your bed's at an angle. So I'm like, she's lying. I get over on her side. Yeah. I'm just falling all over to the right side. So, so that's another good point. You sleep on the same side Uh all the time. Uh right? And rotated the mattress, you know? And I was like, I'll just give myself scoliosis the other way. Right. I'll reverse it. <laughs> right. Oh, that makes now good. My, that's good conventional wisdom right there. It is. Right? It yeah. fixed it for six months. And, and now the other side is, yeah. yep. is it slowly getting there. But it's just very important, like you're saying, is to focus on where you're spending most of your time sedentary. Like you guys mm-hmm. are talking about bed and sitting. sitting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Let's move into the activity piece and like what people can do from an activity piece to just kind of help. Number one, loosen some of that 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 tissue up that needs to be loosened. Mm-hmm strengthen some of that tissue that needs to be strengthened and just get uh, better. Uh, let's just create better spinal or in structural health through both the tissue and the, uh, and the structural anatomy there. I'll, we'll just say the skeleton. So before we get there, I think it's important to mention um, diaphragmatic breathing and being in touch with being able to um, abdominally brace and brace around the spine prior to getting into movement. I think um, if you can create that intra-abdominal pressure uh, before you start to move to help create stabilization, that right there, um, I think is a core element. Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good, here's a good way for people to understand that they don't really understand kind of the analogy. analogy. Yeah. So if we took this uh, Jocko go or Jocko fuel can here, if it was still close, if I hadn't already popped the top on this delicious beverage, it would be solid, right? It would be, there would be tons of pressure inside it. And if I put my hands on top of it and I tried to crush it, um, it there's going to be resistance coming back. There's intra, uh, intra abdominal pressures pushing out against the sides of the can, which is creating integrity within the can. But as soon as I pop the top, right. And now there, there's room for that air or that pressure to escape. If I went and I crushed this, I'm not going to do it now. Cause I'll spill but I could crush the can pretty easily. It's a it lot less stable. It's a lot less stable. Even with this, this very thin wall, thin aluminum wall tubing right here, or whatever this, this thing's made out of. Right. Um, the point of that is, is being able to create that pressure, keep that pressure actively while still doing activities and, or before doing your, your weightlifting, your deadlifting, your squatting, any of those, those kind of things, or being able to actively stabilize that while you're sitting, right. While you're riding your bike, while you're running, Right unconsciously, like your body just automatically does, this is going to set you up for a lot more success with, with regard to probably not getting injured. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a really good point on learning how to brace. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people are too busy trying to flex and extend inside and and move and and think about what they're doing versus thinking about what's happening inside and controlling that breathing. Right. Right. And controlling that breathing. And creating that intra-abdominal pressure. All right. So once I learn how to kind of, so one of those ways is uh, you know, we teach people to breathe in here all the time and, and move all the time, but just getting somebody to kind of be able to create that intra-abdominal pressure and still have in, air coming in and out of their lungs. Have a conversation, right? right? Um, so I think it's a great, really great point. What's the next step? So once we learn how to brace, what what should we be doing to teach better people how to move better? I'm going to take them into a hinge. I'm going to teach them okay. one because- okay, why? Well, we talked about earlier about um, the cleaving of the brain of that area, right? And if I'm taking somebody through an assessment, they have back pain and I'm watching them hinge and their knees go straight, the balls, the load goes into the ball of their foot and they're literally bending at the low back. I need them to understand the differentiate between their low back and their hips. Yeah, that's such a good point, man. Yeah, they're very, they've disassociated the two. Naturally, yeah. I mean, the body is just kind of shut off communication between the two. It's, it's like now it's all in its constituent parts instead of learning how to do that mm-hmm. in conjunction with the other. Yeah. And so because a lot of things that's happening is when we're sitting, a lot of the times we're sitting in a passively flexed lumbar position. Right. No one is sitting up on their sit bones and looking all nice like I do right now. Right. So if you're watching, this is how posture should look. It's very nice posture. <laughs> so they sit back on the sit bones. They round their low back. Right. Their hamstrings are extremely tight. And when they get up into this position, this I'm just they don't know how to pull into flexion. All of this stuff is extremely tight. So for the flexion. Yeah. Like yeah. hamstrings, glutes, extremely tight. And I'm talking like hamstrings, like where they tie in at the ischial tuberosity. Like mm-hmm. I need that bone to lift to the ceiling while keeping my spine neutral. And most people can't do that because of that tight 
hamstring, sacred tubius ligament, right. uh, a, a bunch of stuff that's crossing from the lower limb up into the sacrum and the hip. Right. Gotcha. So you take them into the hinge, mm-hmm. not necessarily loaded. Never. Right? Just body weight. I might put, I might have them step into a hip banded position where the band's wrapped around a rack. They're stepping away from the rack and the band is pulling their hips back behind them so they can kind of understand where the load needs to be because uh, they're going to be unstable what it feels like to allow the hips and the hamstrings to load right through the foot, which is the key there. Um, and then working from the hip. Yes. This is an interesting part, interesting story here. So I remember, uh, early days I was in my, my early twenties working out this, uh, old gold's gym. Uh, it, a lot of bodybuilders, a lot of bodybuilders is so we were talking, you know, like mid to late nineties. And that was the thing. Like everybody was trying to get massive. Right. And there were some big dudes running around here and I hadn't seen this guy for a while. And he popped back into the gym and I remember going up to him I'm like, dude, where you been, man? I haven't seen you for a while. And he goes, uh, yeah, I really messed up my back. And I was like, yeah, what were you doing? Like squatting like 800 pounds or deadlifting like a house or something. He's like, no, dude, it's after a workout, went out to the trunk of my car, was going to put my gym bag in the, in the trunk of my car. I dropped my keys, bent no over to pick, pick up my keys. I couldn't stand back up. Couldn't stand back up. I've heard so many stories like that. Just the most innocuous things. Right. I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. Like you were mentioning standing over the sink, uh, you know, washing dishes, dishes just in that partial, partial flexion. Where are you loaded? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Can you uh, hinge and rotate at the same time? So by taking that into into the hinge, I think the rationale there is, is I'm going to put them in a very controlled, very safe uh, environment where we can create some awareness in how to, work the low back and the pelvis together, excuse me, so that they learn how to brace and move at the same time. And then from there we can do a lot more, a a lot of other things. And, and, but we create this awareness so that when they drop their keys in the parking lot and reach over to pick them up, their body automatically switches on to be able to, and it's integrated, right. Versus disassociated or the term you used would, would be cleave. So working your hinge patterns. So, while it might sound counterintuitive, right? Quote unquote deadlifting or hinging, super important. People need to mm-hmm. people need to do more of it. Do it smartly, but they need to do more of it. And this is actually going to piss a lot of people off too. But they, you need to increase your capacity for lumbar flexion. Like I just said, that we sit in lumbar flexion a lot, but that's passively. So if you've seen a lot of me trying to get people to get into lumbar flexion actively on the floor. It just doesn't happen. They're rounding their upper back. They gotcha. can't, they cannot. So you mean if somebody's sitting on the floor, kind of yeah. legs out in front, being able to pull their chest towards the floor. Exactly. Right. They, right. They're, they're just letting their body fall into gravity versus pulling it down. So if you've gravity. ever sat in a chair where um, the seat's a little more forward and I have to sit back like this, my sit, my, my hips are going to be in front of me. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. shoulders are going to be behind me. I'm in a rounded position right now, yep. right? Passively. Mm-hmm. Body, I don't like really know sitting that. Sitting on the couch watching TV. But if I ask somebody, I want you to tuck your tailbone and move those back into that position. Most of them cannot oh, yeah, so achieve that, emis- that, that mm-hmm. position. So it's being able to actively bring back the capacity for flexion, mm-hmm. right? And taking things like Jefferson deadlifts and very slowly body weight, but being able to bring this capacity. So when you are def- deadlifting and you do have a bit of flexion in the lumbar spine, because it is going to happen over time. There's not one person right. that can keep their lumbar spine neutral in a, in a deadlift. It just, you're going to have a degree of flexion. So being able to increase that capacity, you're going to be more resilient in those kind of exercises. So some, some, a way to look at it is also lumbar rounding is not bad unless we have a, a bulging disc that's pushed that's on a nerve. And a half. Exactly. Right. right? Yeah. So like CC says, it depends, but a lot of the time bringing back functionality of extension, where's the proper neutrality of my spine? What am I doing when I'm sitting, sleeping and how am I moving in my hinge patterns? Yeah. yeah. So let's get back to that. So this is the move more and strengthen piece. There's also one of the things that was said in that, that Google search was the stretching piece. Right. And uh, again, I think for a lot of people that might make sense in their head, like, I'm feeling really tight, mm-hmm. so I need to stretch. But what we end up seeing is they end up stretching what what feels tight all the time mm-hmm. versus maybe what they should be. Can we can we talk a little bit about sort of like what needs to be stretched versus what needs to be strengthened? And if you're going to stretch stuff to help alleviate low back pain, what should we be stretching? Because I think it's probably counterintuitive for a lot of people. Like they'd be like, yeah. "Well, that sounds opposite of what I would what I would think." Example. 
Uh, we, we already got into how weak that lower uh, abdominal area is and the muscles that end up taking over there are often often tend to be the hip flexors. We get into iliopsoas and rectus femoris, right? Mm-hmm. That runs through, both those muscles run through the hip. The low mm-hmm. abdominal floor is like inactive, right? Yep. Low rectus abdominis is just not firing on, right? And so those muscles end up getting very, very tight, right? Um but what you see people doing is laying on the floor, trying to get into like a child's pose and they're, they're, they're rocking back and trying to take some pressure off of that. The pelvis like stretching through uh, that lumbar and pelvis, lumbar spine and pelvis by forward flexing and relaxing into it. We'll see kind of that sideline, like iron cross type movement where you're lying on your back and you're pulling one leg goes straight up into the air, goes all the way over the other leg. And you're trying to, that stuff ends up feeling pretty good temporarily while you're stretching. What, What's the other stuff you should be doing from a stretch perspective? Because there's a feel good part and I'm not going to take that away from people. Go ahead, mobilize that a little bit, move around. If that makes you feel better, it helps you kind of get ready for this. But what should you be stretching? That's the backside shit. What's going on on the front side that's creating and often can create this or often can create this low back pain or low back instability from a tightness perspective. I mean, I think, I guess where I'm getting with this is like hip flexors end up being get very, very tired. Adductors, adductors mm-hmm. end up getting mm-hmm. very, very tight. Yeah. And people, I don't see people stretching that a lot. And when I do, mm. they're not stretching them effectively. Yeah. Right. What ends up happening is they go deep into that area, interior tilt because mm-hmm. they're letting, and they're letting mm-hmm. that pelvis come way forward. Um, and they're, they're feeling a stretch going on, but it's not specific to the musculature that's pulling that pelvis and oftentimes can actually be pulling those discs even mm-hmm. out of place. I don't know. You want to, you want to speak to that, Jeff? So the psoas, you have two parts, one that originates from the spine and actually from the discs itself first, right? And then uh, comes down into the hip, the iliacus, and then, sorry, down into the ilium and then creates the iliacus, right? So it's two separate muscles that create iliopsoas. Um, when we're dealing with this, we're actually trying to release the spine portion, right? Everyone mm-hmm. knows and feels the front hip portion, right? That's the part that's really tight. So what, what basically what happens is it goes from the femur through the pelvis yep. and it connects on the backside or what would be actually yeah. the inside yep. of the lumbar uh, yeah. spine and sacrum. Yeah. The lateral uh, uh, posterior side. Yeah. So it's from the inside out. It's not what's on yeah. the outside on the back. Mm-hmm. It yeah. goes through your pelvis, like Looks through like your guts. Looks like a triangle on goes both your sides yep. off of your, off your spine goes down through into your the guts, hips yep. and it comes forward. Yep. Um, inguinal canal area, right. if anyone knows. Um, what you want to do with that is you want to stretch that, right? If we're sitting a lot and I'm sitting in this 90 degree position, my hip flexors are the muscle that is engaged in this, right? I am not actively sitting with my legs up, right? This chair is, has me into a passive position. So they're shortened. They're starting to shorten. The tissue is going to change shorten. And when I go to stand up, my pelvis is going mm-hmm. to anteriorly tilt forward. Same thing with the rec fem because so it crosses over. Pulling that pelvis down and yep. forward, which put you anterior, in the ghetto booty, right? right? Anterior pelvic tilt, mm-hmm. the low back is going to have a lot of compression. And then also when you start looking at where is the, um, the, the weight in the foot and where the gravity lines drawing through the body, because the lower part of the spine, like let's say if my neck is forward, my thoracic spine is going to do an exponential amount of having to load on it because of the spine above it. Mm-hmm. Right. And then so on and so forth. But, um, just saying, if you're not dealing with that, right? These are the kind of issues that push you in this position and how we don't know where your gravity line's running through, right? So being able to stretch the psoas, right? Activate your glutes and also stretch them to help get that pelvic structure back in alignment. Like you were talking about your adductors, the adductors need to be stretched and strengthened. Glute med needs to be strengthened, not stretched. Right. It just does not need to be yeah, stretched. That's that, that's that stretch that, or that's what you end up feeling when you're back in that one. When you're on your back, knees flex, you cross the yep. opposite side ankle mm-hmm. over the knee and you pull that knee yeah. towards you. Oh yeah, you're going to yeah. feel it. Yeah, that feels good, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, that, well, it's tight. I'm feeling it. Should This yeah. should be helpful, right? What you're saying is no. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. needs to be strengthened, not stretched. Tightness most of the time is weakness in the body, right? right. It's just not strong. Um, now flexibility, and we might not have the flexibility or mobility to get into a proper position to strengthen, but that's not to say that the issue there is that it's weak, right? We can work on mobility to get you in the best position to strengthen these and, and do kind of like manual resisted for these areas uh, to strengthen the area. But that is what, that's what we need. Right. Yeah. So there's some actually really great video on our Red Dot Fitness YouTube channel of you walking people through. These are not like 30 second videos. These are like two, three minute videos of walking through the sequences to help 
find those areas that you just mentioned. So as area, um, let's just talk hip flexors yeah. and you know, your glute meads, things that you can do to both get them to sort of actively stay or start to become active, but also start to feel them mobilize. Right. So um, getting them moving, but then also strengthening them with, and they're, they're not, these are not fancy exercises These are basic movements that can be done every single day. They can be done pre-workout as a means to activate and get things going. They can also be done at the end as a means to continue to strengthen, build more endurance through and stay active at the end. Um, there's very little cost like energy cost for doing this. So it could literally be done every day if you, if you wanted to, but yeah, I encourage people to, to, to float on over there and, and check out the, the red dot fitness YouTube channel. Cause those, those there's probably 25 different movements, but a lot of them center around the pelvis and the hips mm. or the pelvis and low back. Yeah. Uh, because of this, this is what yeah. we see. And, and so it's, it's activating and mobilizing those hips to make sure that they can move properly. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Just from a strengthening perspective, that's kind of the, 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 the approach let's get people comfortable with flexion, uh, uh, with, um, with hip flexion, um, like from a, a hinging position, get them, get them to be a little bit stronger there, get mobilized, get active, right? Because the more you're sitting there and sit, sitting still, yeah, you're, you're just asking for it over the, the longer term. They did a study where if you, if you sit, whatever your six to eight hour job and you did an hour's worth of stretching, it does not negate any of the sitting. Yeah. Stretching is, is a loaded term. Yeah. So stretching, working out, if you were doing the best program, it is not going to have the result that getting up every 30 to 45 minutes and moving for 10 to 15 minutes is going to help. So we call like, like more like a, like a trigger session or like a mini session or what they call these workout snacks now, whatever it gets, what they call them (laughs) workout snacks. Yeah. Just have just a nibble. Yeah. So just to get people to do shit, I don't know, whatever, whatever you need to do, but get up and move more, I think is is really the answer at the end of the day. It really is. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.